If you're part of this community, it's probably crossed your radar that Eric is a competitive CrossFit athlete. In fact, as we sit here right now on the day of this recording, he is ranked fifth in the world in his age group. And next week, he heads to the CrossFit Games where he will compete for hopefully a spot on the podium. Today on the Weekly Walk podcast, I have asked Eric to share a little bit of his journey what it took to get to this place. Because first of all, I think it's an interesting story. But second of all, I think there are lessons to be learned from his journey from novice athlete to one of the top CrossFit athletes in the world. So if you're curious about that journey, if you're curious to learn a little bit more about Eric, and if you want the nuggets that might help power you forward towards any goal you're chasing, lace up your sneakers and let's get going. Hey Eric. Yeah. What does it take? What does it take to do what? What does it take to be you? <laughs> let's see, you take a sprinkling of awesomeness, a dash of compassion, and not and not a lot of humility <laughs> a ton of humility that's what it takes to be me so what are we doing next week we are going to madison wisconsin why what's in madison madison is the, it's a lovely little city but it, it is a lovely little city it is the home of the crossfit games so we're going to go watch the CrossFit Games? You're going to watch. I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually your second appearance at the CrossFit Games, which is pretty amazing. Well, thank you. I'm very excited. Uh, and can you share with the pack and the crew where you're walking into the games as far as your ranking and kind of what it means? So... Every year they start with literally hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. I happen to be in one of the older age groups. So in my age group, they started with about 2,500 men. So that's a, a pretty good number. And they whittle it down over the course of three different competitions. And then if you're in the top 10 out of those 2,500, you get to go to the CrossFit Games. And you are? So I'm currently fifth. I finished the, the final stage in fifth. So the first stage, they take about 200. I was fourth. Then I was, I think, 13th. And then I was fifth. And then we have the live in-person CrossFit Games next week. And we'll see where I end up. So we thought it might be fun to talk a little bit about what the journey was to get to being the, what CrossFit refers to as the fifth fittest man in your age group in the world. Yes. So can I start with, there's a lot of uh, audacity in that, not you, but in CrossFit declaring that their athletes are the fittest men and women in the world. Okay. <clears throat> And the reason that they did that, and, and the, or that they do that, and I think somewhat accurately, is CrossFit by its name is super broad. It touches on everything. 
So are you the fifth fastest runner in your age group in the world? Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not one of your strongest, strongest suits. How about the uh, fifth strongest power lifter in your age group in the world? Closer, but still not fifth. So there's no one modality separate from CrossFit that you are that you are the fifth fittest in the world, right? If you look at a single kind of lane. Yeah, absolutely. Like I was watching the a little bit of the Tour de France just wrapped up, I don't know, I guess last weekend. And you look at these guys and amazing athletes, super fit, but you look at their arms and their arms and their chest, their upper bodies are super skinny. You think you could take one of them in like a clean and jerk? Yeah, <laughs> in any sort of upper body, weightlifting, pulling, pressing, I'm fitter than the Tour de France champion. Like they just don't do that. And you look at like a marathon runner. I mean, these guys are like five foot three and 120 something pounds. Like, yes, they can run a marathon in two hours and five minutes, but, you know, picking up the groceries <laughs> might be a struggle for them. And then No the, insults to the marathoners out there. I'm sure they can pick up their groceries. I'm sure, let's, they, let's, I'm sure they can, let's too. Let's drop the CrossFit snark, right. shall we? Oh, it's, <laughs> well, asking me to drop snark in general, but yes. <laughs> and then same thing with the, with the lifters. I mean, they're big, strong, heavy guys, but they're not going to do well in running. So share, if you would, the philosophy of CrossFit. So the philosophy of CrossFit is to be fit for anything that life may throw at you. So you're training for what they call the unknown and the unknowable. A little, little CrossFit cliche there. But if but what does that mean in practical terms? In practical terms, it means if someone says, hey, let's go for a hike up this mountain, you're going to be like, okay. And if someone says, hey, can you come over and help me move this couch up the stairs, you're going to be like, okay. So, you know, strength, speed, agility, endurance, there's 10 things that they have in CrossFit. I don't remember all 10 of them, but yeah, it's just to be generally like, if we want to go play pickleball, I can go play pickleball and run around the court. Or we go down to the bay and go for a swim. Or like I said, like we're talking about going to Utah later this summer and hiking in Moab in the, in the canyons and going out for a 10 mile hike through canyons, all of those things, that's sort of the philosophy. So really what I want to talk about a little bit, well, actually, before I get into that, what I really want to talk about today is your journey to the CrossFit Games, because it's been a decade or yeah, longer, longer, longer. And I want to sort of talk a little bit about that journey, honestly, through the lens of, I guess, a little bit of it takes what it takes and put one foot in front of the other and you have pursued this goal for more than a decade in a, a pretty committed kind of way. So 
Well, of course, I'm super interested in you sharing your specific CrossFit journey. I think the lessons in there are much broader. Uh, and I want to be sure that we kind of get to that piece of it, right? But before we do, mm -hmm. because I am a CrossFitter as well, not nearly at your level, but I have embraced CrossFit as the methodology of uh, working, of gym workouts, uh, in addition to my extensive walking practice and my rucking practice and the things that I do. All, um, it all goes together. It all goes together. Um, but as a result of that, I kind of want to uh, just take a minute and try to disabuse the notion that everybody who practices CrossFit, and I use that phrase advisedly, practices CrossFit is a beast. <laughs> and if you don't finish a workout lying on the floor like a fish out of water, you have somehow not practiced CrossFit. Can you kind of address that a little? Well, CrossFit itself sort of went through this and they initially had like a definition of, you know, workouts performed at high intensity. And that sort of evolved and they added one little word that makes a big difference. And that is relatively high intensity. So high intensity for you. And back in the day, it really was that, you know, I was, I was in my forties when I started and going hard and the bros and that whole thing. And I remember I, I've coached CrossFit over the years and coaching, you know, some people like, come on, you know, max out, go, go. Like in the last couple of minutes, like make it hurt. <laughs> and I've evolved as, as well as the methodology to be like, all right, let's just get a good workout and push ourselves maybe a tiny bit into the uncomfortable zone, whatever feels right. And some days maybe you don't feel like getting that uncomfortable. Some days you do, some people do, some people don't. And it's, it's all good. It's just like walking. If we walk half a mile, that's good. If we walk three miles, that's good too. Like it's, uh, I borrowed this phrase again the other day. It's like Nike says, just do it, just get out. When, and I actually don't know the answer to this, and you may not even have a clear answer to this, but when was it that you set your sights on going and competing at the CrossFit Games? Was, was there a, an aha moment for you? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, the aha moment was the year I turned 55, so five years ago when we were on vacation in utah oh the aha moment was when you abandoned your family on vacation <laughs> yes so different age groups uh have different sort of groups parameters and groups and all that you compete against people in your relative age group right and they go every five years so this was going from 55 to 59 and in the 50 to 54 I had been okay, but I'd never qualified even for the second round. Like I'd come so close, like three or four years and never did. And when I turned 55 in the first round, I went, I had been, let's, I had been like 200 and something. Anyway, in the first round, I was 23rd. 
I was three people away from qualifying for the CrossFit Games. And as it so happened, you know, in the second round, I, I did qualify for the second round. I didn't make it. But I was like, whoa, <laughs> maybe I'm a little better at this than I thought. And then it sort of became uh, a, a realistic goal. And then from that, I'm trying to remember, then it was two years later that you actually... I was when I was 58. So I guess it was it was three years later. It was in the midst of the pandemic. And it was the summer of the pandemic. I don't know if everybody remembers it the way I remember it, but the way I remember it, there was a moment in the summer where everybody was like, pandemic's over. Let's go back to life. And then everybody came back in the fall and everybody was like, oops, pandemic is not over. Not, yeah, that was 2021. So a couple things happened that year. One, we had a gym in our office. So while a lot of people couldn't even get to the gym, we had the ability to to train. So I think that helped me relative to, to the field. And I was 21st, so I was one spot out, but two people couldn't travel from overseas. So I was able to, to sneak in in 2021. So it's interesting you put it that way, because I do feel a little bit like you felt like you sneaked into your games competition last year. And this year, I feel like you're going in feeling much more, uh, I don't want to use this, you, this is me putting words in your mouth, but deserving. Uh, yeah, the, uh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I feel much, much prouder of the accomplishment this year. And not to go too much into detail, but they, if the scoring had been a little different, I would have come in second in the final round of qualifying. So yes, very proud and deserving this year and, and just excited to go see what happens. So with that all as foundation, I, it raises the, que the penultimate question, what has it taken to get here? So this is, you were just touching on this a little while ago, and this is something that I really wanted to talk about. Because while I'm proud of the accomplishment and I'm excited to go and proud of what I did, I kind of feel like I didn't do anything special. Like I sort of don't feel like that special. Like I, I well, did something, you know, you, some secret massive thing. Well, you uh, you uh, count your macros and you pay attention to every single thing you eat and you train at least three hours a day, right? Don't you do all those things? Not even close. <laughs> like I don't weigh and measure my food like a lot of people do. I literally get in and out of the gym typically in an hour and 15 minutes. That is my, that that's my session. Now I'm going from thing to thing, but I'm going, you know, pretty hard for that hour and 15 minutes. And then also I do a lot of walking. I do a lot of walking with the pack. I do the weighted walking. We walk hills. And I think that helps with recovery. It helps with my aerobic fitness in general. I also think it makes me a little more durable. I think just walking with the pack and sometimes with jetty poles, just, uh, it's just that for me, low impact, low intensity that just builds and builds and builds. When you say durability, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, with with 
CrossFit and, and sort of any sport at high intensity, uh, you know, high passion competitiveness and you know it could be pickleball it can be water skiing it could be you know, running whatever you're doing there's a possibility for injury you know, you're pushing your body pretty much right to the limit when you're competing and you're training pretty hard so having this durability having uh, your joints lubricated and strong and capable of of taking that and just it's a bit of a beating so i feel like the the pack walking and just that sort of consistent lower intensity combined with some of the high intensity stuff that i do has just really really helped so speaking of injuries yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, from everything i have seen over the last decade plus CrossFitters at the highest level get hurt. Yep. And, In, including this one. <laughs> and athletes, I think of all kinds at the highest level, get hurt. And I think there are two uh, kind of ways to look at that. There is the, I'm going to avoid anything that might possibly cause me injury. Or there is, I mean, you called your shoulder injury and your shoulder surgery last summer a, and I quote, fun tax. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, it's a, I, I think it's an interesting perspective. Can you talk a little bit about what that perspective is? And do you feel, actually, um, two-part question, do you feel that injury is inevitable? I feel that if you are competing and training at a high level with high performance goals and particularly, you know, I just turned 60. So I would say if you're pushing it, stuff's going to happen. It, it's pretty inevitable at that level. So shouldn't you shouldn't you just not do that? Shouldn't you avoid anything that's that? poses that kind of risk of injury? Yeah, but here's here's the thing. I was able to come back from my shoulder surgery because I had decades of accumulated fitness and muscle strength and all that. And I think that really helped. So if even if you're doing your walking practice, if you're walking regularly, if you're out there doing stuff and you happen to sprain an ankle, you can come back so much quicker than if you happen to sprain that ankle after sitting on the couch. Well, this is sort of the point, I think. And that is that if you are, we can't wrap ourselves in bubble wrap. Absolutely. If, That's right. So, you know, I do want to be, I do want to talk to people who are new to their journey because now people are saying, well, I don't have decades of experience, so I better not leave the couch, right? That's, Un completely understood because sitting on the couch basically comes with its own injury, the injury to, to your cardiovascular system, the injury to your bone density, the in injury to your muscle mass. And all of that is happening if you're not getting out there. So you may think, oh, well, I'm not spraining my ankle or I'm not doing this or I'm not you know, doing that. 
but you're doing a lot of other stuff that is not doing you any service, not getting you where you want to go. So, yeah. I, I interviewed a, uh, I'm blanking on actually what her credential is, physical therapist, researcher, doctor. Oh my goodness, that's terrible. I remember the point, but I don't remember exactly who it was. But she was talking about the fact that professionals in her field, and I believe that she's a physician, really prefer never to use the word wear and tear arthritis. And that stayed with me for many, many, many months now, because I do think by using that phrase, we're kind of telling people, if you use your body, you're going to wear it out. And it's just not true. Yeah, I would say it's the opposite. It's use it or lose it. If you if you aren't using it, if you're not exercising it, if you're not doing it, I mean, just look at muscle atrophy. Like after my shoulder surgery, I don't know if you remember, but I was in a sling for a solid uh, six weeks and then very limited use for probably another six plus weeks. Anyway, my left arm was like 20% smaller than my right. I mean, maybe more that, and that was from just a few weeks of not using it. And it just goes, use it or lose it. So let's circle back a little bit to, I think we got a little bit off track um, as far as kind of what it's taken to get here, because you say that, uh, you feel like you haven't done anything special, but I don't think that that's true. So can you go through some of your experience? Because I really think it's worth digging in a little bit to what is the experience of a 60-year-old man who is an extraordinary father, a wonderful partner, and by my side runs basically two companies and now is walking into the CrossFit Games, which could go either way, just for the record. Like, he may not come out of this fifth. He could come out of this anywhere from second to tenth, depending on how it all falls. That said. Hey, what about first? <laughs> <laughs> you think? That would be a long shot. <laughs> but not out of the question. Not out of the question? Little, that would be fun. A little uh, lake poisoning to the <laughs> to three or four other guys. <laughs> and, and I got a shot. Wouldn't wish that on anybody. <laughs> no, okay, never. So uh, the, the question really is, what does it take to be the fifth fittest man in the world in your age group? What does that take? And don't. Don't belittle it by saying, I don't know, nothing much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I definitely have some thoughts on that. So first, and this goes to, to anything I, I think that we talk about, is consistency. So I train pretty much five days a week, uh, 52, 51 weeks a year. And I think that's a huge part of it. And what reads that consistency is I really enjoy the training. I oh, so what do you say to people who don't enjoy working out? Well, that, right, and that's the thing that we've talked about here is what you say to people is, have you tried everything? Have you tried dancing? Have you tried walking? Have you tried walking with a pack? Have you tried swimming? 
Have you tried juggling? <laughs> what juggling is probably great for you. It's certainly good for your brain and your coordination. So cross crawl. It's a, a hula hooping. Hula hooping. You know, have you tried everything? So that's number one. Wait, I'm gonna. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, and number two is actually the more you do something the more you're going to like it and enjoy it and the more it's going to become part of your routine and who you are. So even if it's not trying everything, it's have you tried something really consistently and felt the feeling you get from that? That's exactly what I was going to add to that, which is everybody, everybody is uncomfortable when they try something new, especially, well, maybe not especially, but whether you try it on your own and you don't feel like you know what you're doing, you try it in some kind of public setting and you're super self-conscious and you don't, all of those things. And I think there is uh, just something we've got to clear up in the universe, which is it's going to feel awkward, it's going to feel bad. And the first few times you try something, you probably aren't going to like it. Yeah, one of the things we've endeavored to share in the community and impart on our kids is developing the ability or the skill of being comfortable being uncomfortable, or at least being okay with being uncomfortable. I mean, we're relatively new to pickleball. We got our butts wiped all over the court the other day by some people like we feel like we're getting better we're pretty good uh, and you played to 11 i think it was 11 3. it we, was not 11 it was 11 2. it was 11 1. <laughs> yeah we we just got demolished uh, and, and just to be clear and, we were demolished one of the guys on the other team uh, quite a bit older than we are and with a back injury so bad that he couldn't bend over to pick up the ball when he had to pick up the ball from the ground. So this is a guy who basically <laughs> couldn't move around the court comfortably at all. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was unpleasant in a learning kind of way, somewhat uncomfortable, but, I, you know, that that's what it takes to get better at that. And that's my issue with what I say to people when I say, have you tried everything? Because I, I want to be clear that I don't mean have you tried it once. <laughs> <laughs> right. Have, have you tried it to the point where it would most likely have some efficacy? Or have you tried it past the point of uncomfortable? Yeah. I think about this when I tried to learn to row two or three years ago. And I got just past the point of feeling uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I still didn't love it. <laughs> and I was like, all right, this is not for me. But I gave it a real try. Okay, so consistency, that's number one in your uh, path to success. What second? Uh, is the uh, willingness to do the stuff that I'm bad at. So in CrossFit, there's gymnastics element, there's weightlifting, there's, uh, we'll call it cardio element. And I'm pretty good at all the weightlifting stuff. I'm pretty mediocre at the gymnastics and the cardio. So I've been running more, I've been swimming more, and that's, that's good. But in the gymnastics, like, 
walking on your hands, handstand walking is one of the, the skills you need to have if you're going to be competitive at this level. And it took me years. Literally years. To learn. Like I, I had to work on it probably for a year before I could get five feet of walking on my hands. I probably had to work on it for another year before I could get maybe 10 or 15 feet. And then after my shoulder surgery, I've pretty much had to relearn it all over again. And I'm just getting back to the point where I can get 10 or 15 feet. And like, I, I mean, it was practically, you'd think I'd never done it before when I was first getting into it a few months ago, first able to do it with my shoulder. So the willingness to, to do that, that kind of stuff, there's, um, uh, We'll often do things where you step up onto a two foot high box and you just step up and you step down and do that holding a weight. And there's a picture of me that we have that, you know, you just see on my face, I'm just suffering. <laughs> so the willingness to do that, I'm not very good at it, but I still do it. Somebody uh, shared when I went live this morning, I had posted a reel on my social media channels of me doing strict pull-ups wearing a weight vest. I saw that. And somebody, uh, one of our PAC members posted that she can't do a pull-up and she's jealous. I, I mean, she said it in the, you know, the nicest, sweetest kind of way. And I said, and this is the absolute truth, it took me years literally years to do my first perfect strict pull-up years so that willingness to keep chipping away at something and i think for that part of it it's like this it's this perfect dance between focusing on the day by day doing the next task trying it one more time with kind of a goal floating out there, but not being super focused on the outcome. Because if you're super focused on just getting to the outcome, impatience is gonna kick in for anything that's gonna take a lot of time. Like you kind of have to fall in love with the process. That is true. Falling in love with the process has been key for me. And that doesn't mean, and I wanna be really clear, like that doesn't mean you feel like going to the gym every day. Oh, yesterday and I like to work out midday and I don't, I don't really get that opportunity. And I certainly like, I had to work out the other day at like five o'clock, which is late for me. And like, I just didn't want to go. Like I wanted to go home. I'd been working since seven in the morning and I was just, oh, I just so didn't want to go. And I'm like, all right, just go in the gym and start your warm up. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. And I actually changed around my workout to be something a little less onerous, but I was like, all right, so I'll, I'll go. And, and I did it. And I would say one in maybe a hundred days, I'll actually be like, nope, <laughs> I'm not going to do this, but just sort of getting started. It's like we say with walking, just, just walk to the mailbox, just walk to the mailbox and see what happens. And most of the time you'll walk to the corner. And if you walk to the corner, you're gonna walk around the block. 
Because most of us are like mice with cookies. You give a mouse a cookie, he's going to want a glass of milk. <laughs> well, I speak for myself, of course, and I think I speak for the entire 99 Walks Pack and Jetty Crew to say good luck. And we will do a future podcast and let everybody know how it goes out there in Madison next week. Yeah. And if anybody is in Madison and wants to come and uh, just see the spectacle and maybe cheer me on a little bit, come and find us and introduce yourself. I'll be wearing a shirt with my name on it. <laughs> um, and I will be wearing probably a Jetty baseball cap or a 99 Walks baseball <laughs> cap much of the time. Yeah, listen, that would be awesome because I'm going to be doing a lot of sort of sitting around waiting for Eric to take the competition field. I would love some people to hang out with. Uh, and there's some good walking to be done out there as well. So definitely hit us up if you're in Madison and we'll keep you posted. <laughs>